Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Tuesday, December 26th, 2023. Coming us live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Have another phenomenal holiday-themed episode coming up for you tonight. Mr. Ethan Sears of the New York Post will be joining us once again to talk New York Islanders. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how do you do? How's your holiday season? Oh, fantastic. Is that right? First off, first Christmas in the new apartment with my girlfriend, Alyssa. Oh, so that was fantastic. Nice. And Sean, you made it better. Is that right? The gift you got me, I'll show it right now, oh, is God. legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Oh, no. I didn't put him up to this, by the way. This wasn't required <laughs> for the show. But there, there you go, pal. Yeah. There you go. Little Stefan Rosner, Hockey Night New York jersey. Wow, we. You pay attention to detail. You knew my favorite number. My goalie number was 32. I do have access to your social media accounts. Oh, that's so, uh, <laughs> no, so I saw the number. Yeah, yeah. No, so very we much. I didn't get you anything, so now I feel horrific. That's okay. Not going to change just, anything. Just but your presence on the show is fine. That so. is such BS, but let's continue that's with the fine. show. Let's talk about the Islanders. <laughs> let's do that, but before we do, let's talk about our great, great sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington at 217 Carlton Avenue. Any size slip, check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Com also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug a game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also happy to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law ready to fight for you. Go to RazorandKniff.com. That's R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com for a free consultation. And yes, Stefan, now we can talk about the New York Islanders who once again had another successful week, 2-0-1 collecting points, bagging points here during the holiday season. They find themselves second place in the Metropolitan Division, I think third in the Eastern Conference right now as, as we wait for the games to continue. Let's dive into it. They started off Tuesday against Edmonton, a 3-1 to one win. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first, they, haven't blown, they didn't blow a lead this week. So, improvement, improvement. Progress. But this game against the Oilers Progress. was one of those games where you spoke about it so early in the year. They haven't beat good teams. They haven't beat good teams. This was a game they won 3-1. to one. Yeah. Did they go into the shell in the third period? Yeah. Did uh, Sorokin face 15 shots in that third period? He did. Did he stop them all? He did. He did. Yeah. And I think you look at this game, and it's, again, they get a lead. They hold on to it. The kill went 4-4. Four for four. Huge against an Edmonton Oilers team like that. Right. And it was a weird way to start this game. Drysaddle gets the first shot on like goal. a minute and a half in. Beats Sorokin. Mm-hmm. Islanders are down early. You think, okay, down early against a really good Oilers offense. Skinner had beaten them early in the year. It's going to be a tough one. But then... They get the timely goals. Simon Holmstrom does it again. He just doesn't stop. Yeah, he is the shorthanded king. By the way, I said that before Matt, did. Matt Barzell did. But clearly it's Barzell on listened. Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Clearly Barzell listens to the show. Obviously. Um, but fan- And then again, too, they, they lose Godier in the second period. He told, we'll tell Ethan Sears about it, but Ethan asked him what happened. He goes, he took a stick to the eyeball. Um, I thought it was a helmet. Pretty sure he said stick. <laughs> I well, read helmets. Well, we'll ask Ethan here. Anyway, okay. he got hit in the okay. eyeball, and it kept yeah. him out. And yeah. the fact they were able to play the game shorthanded, they ended mm-hmm. up having to kill off a five-on-three, yeah. which, by the way, Holmstrom scored when it was a five-on-four. Mm-hmm. Scores there, five-on-three. They kill that off, and they just find a way to get the job done. And again, we're talking about resiliency. has been a really big topic for this team, and that mm-hmm. was one of those games where you said, you know what? Was it their best game? No, but they got a lead. They I held think we on. say that after every game. 
It's, yeah. it's fair. Yeah. But again, this is an Oilers team that had been playing a lot better under Knobloch, and the Islanders found a way to not blow a lead once in the entire game, get their lead, hold on again. At the end of the day, Sorokin made the big saves and big moments, and that's what this Islanders team needs. Yeah, big win, 3-1 over a resurgent Oilers team, like you said, playing a lot better since the coaching change. Islanders were the only team on their New York, New Jersey trip to, to get the win, so that was kind of nice. But... Look, I mean, baby steps with this team, right? We, we keep talking about how the blown leads, and here's a game against one of the top teams in the league with some of the, the highest offensive you know, powers in the league and Dreisaitl, McDavid, and on down the list, and they're able to kind of fend them off you know, late in the game. They have a big three-goal second period, and they hang on. Are they able to do that throughout the rest of the week? Not exactly. They, they had some catch-up, but they didn't blow any leads, like you said. A good start to the week, so... Before I move on... Sure. Again, talk about resiliency, and after the game... You know, I asked Peugeot, I said, you lose Godet early. You kill a 5-on-3 late. Like, ha- mm-hmm. what does that say about your group? And this is what he had to say. A lot of commitment to, to winning. Uh, kind of go back to my answer. Yeah, and the commitment means winning your battles, clearing the puck, or blocking shots. And you saw a lot of that tonight. And uh, it's not only one guy. I think everyone, everyone chipped in. That was a really good team win. And again, that's what the Islanders need. Do they have the offense to blow teams out of their water? Yes. We were just talking about this. They have the offense. They just the defense has been lacking. Mm-hmm. And again, going four for four in the PK, huge blocks on that five on three penalty kill from everybody. Yeah, Pajot had, had a huge block. Mm-hmm. Again, Pajot setting up Holmes for that shorthanded chance. Puck came loose. Pajot beat Bouchard back for the puck to race there, get there, mm-hmm. and then feeds Holmstrom again. Just world-class effort by the PK unit and everyone in that lineup down a man. It was just, again, something you want the Islanders, you want to see from the Islanders because, again, the penalty kill was lacking. And against tough teams, you need timely PKs. Yeah, and at least the offense on the PK is making up for... I guess how poor it's been so far, right? Like with the with the goals that they're giving up because they they gave up a couple of power play goals against Carolina. Yep. And that game we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, yeah, they they haven't exactly figured out the killing side of the penalties, but they certainly have uh, ramped it up on the goal side. So listen, if you're counteracting, yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, it's not killing you. To, no pun intended mm-hmm. there. But if you're, you know, I think Holmstrom, he's got five shorthanded goals, and I think he's been on the ice for six against or whatever it was so it's, it's close close sure. enough but let's move on to Washington let's move on to Washington uh not a successful night but a game where the Islanders take another point against another metropolitan division rival here capital still surprising me with the new coach they're right there in the mix and they they have I think still a couple of games in hand on the yeah. Islanders and, and a lot of the teams in the metro so so they're right there you kind of can't sleep on them I thought they were going to kind of dive down the standings this year along with the Pittsburgh Penguins but it hasn't happened yet they get the 3-2 overtime loss good sign is they came back in the third they, resiliency once again this is a situation where instead of them allowing a team to come back there the team that comes back to tie the game they get a big goal from Anders Lee for that game time goal who had himself a big week and one thing we should probably touch on is that was the return of Oliver Wallstrom a rare yep. rare game time for uh, for Oliver Wallstrom yeah he played I think a little over 11 minutes and 30 seconds after the game Lane was asked about him and he Lane thought he, he played well he made some he plays along the board, set up some teammates, and I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but he said after the game, he goes, he tried to do what he's supposed to do. Now, again, it's a guy coming to the lineup. He hadn't played in eight games. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. But again, it's the NHL. you got to make the most of your moments. Mm-hmm. And again, we will talk with Ethan Sears. We did a story about what Lou had to say. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, for Wallstrom, it's, you got to find a way to make the most of your minutes, whether it's a right. big hit, a big board play, things like that. He's not going to snipe and score every game he's in. And he's got to find a way to be productive, especially like we've talked about when there's so many guys in the bottom six that just play a bottom six role better. You know, Wallstrom's not groomed mm-hmm. to be a bottom six guy. Maybe he becomes that, and that's probably what's going to happen. But, yeah, for Wallstrom to get back in, and he's probably the best player on the third line in that one. 
Well, the question is, did he make the most of his time, though? So him coming out, I guess we'll move on to Carolina here, yes. is you thought, okay, with Godier, with Ethan Sears reporting that Godier was expected to play, and then Lane following it up, I had a decision to make. And Lane, do you let Wallstrom ride it out, mm-hmm. or does Godier go back in? Because whatever decision they made told you a lot about where Wallstrom sits. Mm-hmm. And immediately because Godier was healthy, Wallstrom came out. And that tells you Wallstrom's still at the... At the, not in the lineup as an everyday player, which we knew, but I thought, you know what? Maybe they let him run another game. Going into the break, let him mm-hmm. do that, but they go right back to Godier, which tells you all you need to know that Wallstrom's not there yet and is not viewed as a player that could help the team on a nightly basis. So what do you make of that decision? I mean, uh, other than the obvious that they, they clearly have more trust in Godier right now, but, but what does that mean for Oliver Wallstrom and just where he sits on this team? I don't think he's providing enough of what they yeah. need. I think, again, he's not getting a lot of minutes, but he, you know, when he has chance to shoot the puck, he has to shoot the puck. If his shot is his weapon, mm-hmm. that's got to be what he uses and shows off. I get it. We know that he's got to play more of a two-way game mm-hmm. to stick in the NHL. You can't just be a sniper. But you need him to do the offensive things that he does so well and those things. It's not an and, it's not an and or situation. Well, I'm not going to shoot the puck, so I'm going to do the small things. Like, no, this is the NHL. You got to be able to do both because there's other guys that could do both. I mean, mm-hmm. Julian Godey has cooled off since since that fast start with the, the couple of goals there. Sure. But even when Godey is not scoring, which he's not on the team to score, he's skating mm-hmm. fast. Right. He's forechecking. He's doing all those things. He's winning board battles, doing all that kind of stuff. And I just think Wallstrom just has lacks the tools to be an everyday player. Now, again, he's still coming back from the injury. But mm-hmm. one thing Lane mentioned was, he goes, the injury was a year ago. It's not an excuse anymore. Is essentially what he told us. Right. Right. So at this point in time, there's no more talking about the injury. It's in the past. Yeah, and the truth is, if he's going to find himself a spot on this team, it it kind of needs to be in the top six. And There's really no space for him there right now. I mean, maybe you look at those six guys, and one guy you can kind of finger out there is is, is maybe Pierre Engvall. Just going to bring him up, yeah. Maybe he's a guy who, you know, if, if they're looking for a change. Because, look, here's the here's the thing, right? They're collecting points out of, like, 80%, 85%. I have the, I have the stat. We'll talk about it later. But they're, they're picking up points almost every night, even when they're not winning, right? So you're going to go with essentially the same guys that are going to get you there. It's, it's tough to get into a lineup when when things are going fairly well, which is pretty much the case for the Islanders right now, right? So Wallstrom's got to wait until, if and when, not not to say you hope for it, but if and when this team hits a rut, they lose a couple of games in a row, something's not working, right? Maybe somebody slows down. And that's probably the point where a guy like Oliver Wallstrom gets back into the yeah. lineup because Lane wants to see something different. Even if nobody on the lineup is necessarily playing poorly, but every once in a while you just want another look. Yeah. And we'll get there. We're all, it's crazy because it feels like we're 50, 60 games into the season. We're only 33 yeah. in. It's, it's, it's wild. Like, there's so many things that can change between now and the end of the year. But, and that's one of those things is, is where the lineup is going well as it is now, but either there's going to be injuries or there's going to be changes. And if there aren't injuries to the forward core, you know, that's probably what Wallstrom's going to have to wait for is, is some sort of change in just the way the Islanders are performing, particularly on the scoreboard and, and in the standings. I just think Wallstrom has to pull a fashion where he makes Lane have no choice but to keep him and again that's really tough when you're in and out of the lineup or you're not playing but if mm. let's say someone does get hurt or they say you know what Engvall hasn't been at his best in the last couple of games we're going to try you on the second line you got to produce somehow because right. at the end of the day they're just going to move him back and put Engvall back there so I think for Wallstrom it's it is probably a mental battle um, I think just going in there and knowing that you want to play mistake free hockey and that every mistake could impact your minutes but at the same time going for at this point Wilson should be going for the shot on goal every time he crosses over the blue line because why not? If he doesn't score it, it is what it is. He's playing his game and he's probably coming out in a way. But if he scores, at least, again, it's not all about production. 
But if just doing the little things again, there's too many guys that just do the little things that bring a little more to that bottom six grinding style. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot for him. But let's let's just close out the Carolina game before yep. we break for Ethan. So Saturday, the Islanders go into Carolina, five four win. They hang on to a lead there. Carolina doesn't end up make the odds to come back as I was waiting for, and it didn't because they get within one goal, and I'm wait, I'm just waiting for the shoot to drop for for the tying goal. It doesn't happen. Anders Lee gets himself the game winner. He has a goal and two assists in that game. Mike Riley has a goal and an assist. Sebastian Ajo opened the scoring in that game. He gets his first the goal Islanders. of the season. Yes, second, the second Islanders, the Sebastian Islanders. Ajo, yep. yes. You look, it's another big win for this team. I mean, Carolina has been struggling this year, for sure. They're not where any of us really expected them to be, but they still have a tough team. This is still a team that I expect to figure it out and be towards the top of the Metropolitan standings, even if they're not there right now. So for them to bag two points in regulation against Carolina, that's another big one for the Islanders in Carolina. And they took advantage, which we talk about a lot. They took advantage of bad goaltending. Now, Kochekov came into that game playing very well. Again, I think they're burning him out a little bit. Ronto is placed in waivers. 852 save percentage. Yeah, not great. That's just not going to cut it. Anderson's, I think, back doing activity after he had that blood clot. That's scary stuff. So he's back. I think they have an they have an uh, ECL, excuse me, a Quinnipiac goalie who has never played a pro game, maybe like one or two pro games ever, is their backup Mm. right now with all that. But Kachekov was bad, and they took advantage of that. The um, Riley Knuckler can't go in, even though Knucklers are the Mm. hardest thing ever. He's way off his angle. Horvat's shot was bad. He got caught in the net. Anders Lee's no look shot five hole can't go in. But again. The Islanders in the past, when they've gone against weaker goaltending, especially when they realize they score an <laughs> right. easy goal early, mm-hmm. they just seem like they don't pepper yeah. the guy. Where mm-hmm. in my mind mm-hmm. is, he's off his angles, he's everything's like against like the Oilers against Sorokin. After that dry settle goal goes in, you get over the blue line and shoot the puck. Sure. He looked very shaky in that first period, but then mm-hmm. over time he got set in more shots, he got into a rhythm, and that was that. And I think for Kachekov, the Islanders did not let him get into any kind of rhythm to stop pucks. Stuck good on them for just going at it again. The PK wasn't great, two for four, but they got the goals. And when again, this is not a recipe for playoff success or things like that, but it was like Toronto-esque where just outscore your opponent. And yeah. that's what they did. And this is another week where the Islanders are putting up the goals. Again, the defensive side of things isn't pretty. You still hope that that they clean that up, and maybe later in the year they, they close out these games a little more like the Edmonton game or even slightly like the Carolina game where they're not giving those tying goals up. But the, the encouraging thing is that on a fairly consistent basis now as we get deeper into the season, they're scoring goals week to week now. They're putting them up. Their goals for average keeps creeping up. Now they're about 3.16, I think it is, where I remember, again, I think I noted you know a week ago where it wasn't too long ago where it was 2.5. Yeah. So they're bringing the goal totals up. Yes, the goals against totals are still up as well, but at the end of the day, they're still either squeezing two or one points out of most of these games, so that's positive for this team. So another good week, 2-0-1 against some good teams, and the Islanders find themselves in a great position in the Metropolitan Division. And with that, we got a break because Ethan Sears in New York Post is going to be joining us. So thanks for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We'll be right back. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. Joining us now on the line is Ethan Sears, Veneer Post. Ethan, I know you missed me in Carolina, but how was the room after that one? It was it was a happy room, and, and thanks so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Christmas music was going. Everyone was, you know, obviously happy to, to go into the break with the win and excited to to get home and, and spend some time with their families and uh, and away from the rink. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was a happy group of guys. Very nice, Ethan. Welcome back. Hope you had a, a happy holiday season here, or are having, I suppose, <laughs> with New Year's still coming up. Yeah, I mean, good things for the Isles here. Another 2-0-1 week for them, second in the Metro. It never seems to be pretty, but are you seeing any sort of improvement from this team? Steph and I kind of alluded to it before you came on. Are they cleaning up some of the defensive side of things where, you know, where they were blowing leads, going overtime? Now it seems that they're hanging on. They did against Edmonton. They did against Carolina. Are you seeing anything improving on that side of the game for this team? You know, maybe, maybe I think to an extent, you, you've probably seen some marginal improvement there. Uh, certainly the Edmonton game was was probably one of the best examples we've seen of that all year of, of them just kind of locking down late, uh, holding on, you know, in the third period and, and not really letting the Oilers threaten. But, you know, with, with this team so far, it's it's kind of been this very weird sort of identity of they're going to win by trying to outscore teams. <laughs> and, you know, it's probably going to be close at the end and you know maybe they'll lose but they'll get a point and that that's kind of been what this team is and I, I, you know as far as a big picture thing I don't necessarily know if if that's changed for me over the last week but uh, certainly it's good to see them get a couple wins you know in in regulation well I think that's the big question now you know more time goes by they're they're squeezing out more points and when does the sustainability question kind of start to fade away a little bit, right? Because, you know, I know if you look at some of the advanced stats that have been popping out there, you know, the Islanders are kind of, I think, uh, what is it, the PDO or whatever is there's They're scoring a little more than expected. So I think there's some out there they are expecting that to go down. So I guess I wonder, are they able to keep this going for the remainder of the season here where this is something sustainable where it may not be pretty at the end of the day, but this is something the Islanders can maintain to keep squeezing points out to stay in the playoff picture? Yeah, I mean, the the question for me, honestly, is it has less to do with, you know, can they keep scoring like this and probably a little more to do with, you know, how does this look once they get healthy, you know, defensively and, and Pelic and Pulak and, and Mayfield are back. And, and we don't know when that'll be. But to me, if, if they're going to win games, you know, in the playoffs or, or, you know, late in the season when when they're fighting to get in the playoffs, that's going to probably it's, it's going to have to look a little bit more like maybe it has for the Islanders in the past versus, you know, so far this year. And and they're going to have to win some low scoring games and, and some games where maybe the power play isn't going as much, or maybe there's just not as much space out there on the ice. When those guys are back, we, we really haven't seen the Islanders this year with, with a healthy blue line. And maybe that's kind of the key to getting this turned around defensively. There's always the trade deadline. You Maybe they go out and add somebody. But to me, the, the question is to, can this team kind of do anything more than, you know, be a fun regular season team that plays entertaining games and goes to overtime basically every night kind of lies in, can they get this fixed up defensively once once they're back and healthy? 
And Ethan, you did a great piece on Oliver Walsh from Speaking to Lou, and I just wanted to take one quote from it and get your thoughts on it. Lou said, it's really up to him to do the things he's capable of doing. When you look at how Wallstrom played against the Caps, I know he came out against Carolina. Do you see that he's doing that, or is that more Lou, you know, it's kind of sending a message on Wallstrom, you're, you're a sniper in this league, we need you to keep, we need you to start sniping. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if Wallstrom had, you know, I guess to, to use that phrase, done the things he was capable of doing against the Caps he would have been in the lineup against Carolina, right? That's not to say he has to go and score a hat trick every night or anything like that. And did some nice things along the walls or, and what have you in Washington, but it wasn't like he went out and, you know, made some great impact on the game. And, you know, that's probably what he has to start doing, you know, when he gets chances, that's, that's what you have to do to, to be an every night player in this league, to, to win a spot in this lineup where the bottom six is very competitive. And, you know, at a certain point, the Islanders, they are going to have to make some decisions here. You know, if if Zach Parise comes back with, with their forward group and, you know, if Wallstrom is continues to be the odd man out, then while well, being the odd man out eventually is probably going to mean more than just being a healthy scratch because they're not simply not going to have the cap space or, or the roster space to keep everybody. And, you know, obviously... He's 23 years old. He's a former first round pick. He's got tons and tons of talent. I don't think the Islanders want to lose him. I don't think that Lou believes that he is some lost cause, nor should he. But at the same time, he's he's going to have to kind of put up or shut up, right? And and that if Zach is is coming back, and and we don't know for certain if or when that's that's happening, then that, that that's going to have to, you know, Wallstrom is going to have to do that sooner rather than later. So you mentioned Zach. I know Lou spoke a little bit about him. Just what's the latest? I know there's no answer yet, but what can you tell us about Parisian potentially coming back to the Islanders? Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything, you know, new or different over the past week or so than I had previously, which is he's ramped up his skating. There's strong interest towards a return and no, no decision has been made yet. Nothing is final. There's no sort of exact timeline of when that is going to happen. It's not 100% clear to me that it is, you know, done and dusted and will be the Islanders without any question. But, you know, as everybody knows, there's obviously Zach said on breakup day, he expects it to be the Islanders. Lou has said there's a place for Zach here if he wants it. The only way that, that I could see that it isn't is if is if Zach is worried about will there be an every night spot in the lineup for me and maybe could he go somewhere that that's a little bit more guaranteed because obviously the Islanders do have a, a very crowded bottom six but I don't know for certain that 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 is prerequisite for for Zach to come and join a team what I know is that there's strong interest towards a return I think everyone is is kind of thinking that that things are trending in that direction but you know, we'll we'll know when when an announcement is made. Yeah, it's a very curious situation because as as much as I think everybody was was hoping that Zach Parisi would come back before the season started, with the way the season's gone and, and Stefan now and I have now have, have spoken about this at least the last two weeks is is where the need is for Zach Parisi. Not to say that you wouldn't welcome a guy like that back if he's willing to come, right? But the the question continues to be if nobody gets hurt, you know, who's who's the odd man out here? Now, now, granted, it might be easy to pick a guy like Oliver Wallstrom off, off the table here because he's not even getting into games anyway. I mean, forget about whether they want to hang on to him because of his, his upside and all that. But but you look at the roster there, and I guess you have to look at somebody like Fashion or Godier, right? They all of a sudden become that extra forward if a guy like Parisi comes in, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that would definitely be where you would start. I'm curious as to whether, how long is it going to take if Zach 
if Zach decides tomorrow that he wants to come back on the Islanders, how long is it going to take for him? How much time is he going to want to spend practicing with the team before he feels comfortable getting into a game? Is there potentially a situation where you have him decide ahead of time, okay, he's not going to play every night because he's 39 and he's kind of coming in cold. So, you know, we're only going to play him every other night or three out of every four nights or or whatever. Because look, the, the upside obviously is there scored 20 goals last year everybody knows what this guy can do and and if that's the player the islanders are getting then they're going to want him to play every night why wouldn't you but this team has gone along kind of just fine without him and it's hard to come in cold into an nhl season when you're 39 you know no matter who you are that's a really 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 hard thing to do and uh, you know I, i don't think that should be I guess underestimated in that whole in this whole thing for sure, and and I think you keyed on an interesting point here because it's kind of almost new territory for this Islander team now, where not only are they in that position on the forward end, but the big question now is next to that is what happens to the D if and when all these other guys get healthy. Granted, nobody else gets hurt, right? Because they're still picking up points, they're still winning games, and names like Pollock, Pellick, and Mayfield aren't in the lineup, which is kind of bananas to me, because usually you go into an Islander season and fans are talking about, well, who do they got to add? What's what's the piece they need to bring in to, to take this team to the next level? And, and granted, that's probably still a valid question, but with the way that they're playing, it's almost like they don't kind of need these guys right now. You know what I mean? Not to say you don't take any one of those guys back. Obviously, Pullett gets healthy, he comes back. You know, and, and Mayfield to a degree as well. But they're in a place where it's kind of like, yeah, you, you come back when you're ready. You know what I mean? We don't really need you. What do, what do you make of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, a lot of, a lot of credit to Lou for, you know, for being active in, in waivers and Careful in the trade there, market and, and bring, bringing these guys in and, and being able to stem the bleeding because – you know, we've all seen in the past when when Pellick has gone down, how much they've struggled. And this time around, they, they really haven't missed a beat. So, uh, you know, a lot of credit to Lou there, first of all. And, you know, as as to what happens when everybody's healthy, uh, I mean, certainly, you know, I, I would imagine that you you don't want to let these guys go for nothing. There, there's going to be a numbers problem, right? You know, I, I don't think that you can keep nine defensemen on the roster, but you don't want to put Sam Bolduc on waivers and, and potentially lose him. Mike Riley is a guy who has certainly earned a, a spot in the lineup. Even even Bortuzzo, you know, has has gone and, and done his job every night. And it, yeah. it's, it's going to be a hard set of decisions for this team. And you know, we, we don't have exact timelines for when Pelic and Pulak and, and Mayfield are, are going to be back. So maybe they maybe they have some time. Maybe not. That's not very clear. Maybe you end up moving one or two of them for, you know, late round picks or something like that. Certainly that seventh round pick that they traded for Bertuzzo, I th- would think that they would be able to, to recoup. I think the goal should be just make sure you're you're not losing them for nothing. Make sure that you're you're adding assets and and continuing to kind of thread this needle anything what is the latest on matt martin again gets hurt against the canucks gets put on ir gets activated out of ir suffers a setback is back in ir now he's back out of ir what's the latest on martin and do you think there's any chance with these numbers games that martin finds a way on waivers at some point this year i don't think that they would waive matt martin no i don't think they would do that to him i think that that would be a sort of extraordinary thing for them to do given the way that Lou has operated in the past given how loyal he is I I just don't think that 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 would happen as for his current situation you know we we talked to him down in in Carolina and he kind of said he he feels like he's he, he feels like he 
is healthy enough to play. I think it was Lou. It might have been Lane said something like that. They knew he wouldn't be healthy until after Christmas. So there was a little bit of, I guess, incongruity there. You know, in my mind, if if Matt is saying he's healthy enough to play, then in my mind, he's a healthy scratch, you know, unless there's some kind of reaggravation of this injury as as happened in, in Florida. I guess for now, if, if Matt is a healthy scratch, then that means he's going to have to go in and re-earn his place in the lineup. You know, Fashing's played really well and certainly probably doesn't deserve to come out at this point. And that's nothing that Matt's done wrong. It's, it's more so that Fashing has gone and, and won that spot. And Matt Martin is going to have to go and, and win it back, you know, or else potentially kind of find himself in that in the same place that, that Josh Bailey was a year ago. Obviously, his contract is is expiring at the end of this year. He's 34 years old, and there's probably already was going to be some question as to, you know, would he come back and play another year? And that becomes an even bigger question if he's not playing every night. Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe it's time, you know, you gave some credit to Lou earlier, but maybe it's time to give Lou and, and, and Lambert here a little credit too, because I think the Isles for a little while here, they've, they've been getting, getting a little flack from the fan base just about being over reliant on veterans and, and being over loyal to the veterans on the team. And that goes to the, the Martins and the Clutterbucks and, and the Baileys of the team. And they made the tough decision with Bailey last season. And now it looks like you're seeing that with Matt Martin, where even when he's getting healthy, the team's going well without him in the lineup. And, and there he's a guy that they're willing to put up in the press box. So maybe, you know, that is a, is something that the Islanders kind of have their eye on and something that they're willing to do. And is that the game plan going forward for this team here where they respect the veterans that they have but they have an understanding within the locker room that they're going to put the guys that are going to give them the best chance to win on the ice. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, that that also requires buy-in from all the guys in, in the room because, you know, last year, Josh Bailey certainly could have turned around and said, how could you not be playing me? You know, I'm Josh Bailey. I've played a thousand That's games right. for this franchise. I've been here for years and years. And, you know, how could you treat me like this? Matt Martin probably has the kind of standing to go and do something similar. And, and that is obviously did not happen with Josh. There's no hint of that happening with, with Matt. I don't think that would really ever happen in the, in this room. This is a, a team of guys that is completely bought in and completely believes in their own capabilities. And, and that's even when they have underperformed, that has always been true about this group. So, you know, I, I think some credit probably goes to to everybody in the room and, and the leadership group and Josh last year, Matt this year for for dealing with what is not an easy situation with professionalism and doing the right thing and, and showing up every day and, and not complaining when, you know, you probably have the standing, so to speak, to throw a fit if you want to. And and that's not a thing that, that really happens with this team. And Ethan, Sean and I were having a little debate before you got in because we know you reported <clears throat> the Godier incident. Did he take a stick oh. <laughs> to the eyeball or did he take a helmet? Because I thought it was stick. Sean thought it was helmet. Can you just clarify what happened to Godier? He, he, he told me it was a, a stick. He said, he said stick to the eyeball. Um, <laughs> I, I think he said right eyeball. Um, I, I didn't go into detail with him about the exact play. I kind of just said, but that sounds horrible. Um <laughs> But uh, but yeah, you know, he he seemed to kind of, you know, he played it off and said, you know, it's all right. I just he, he sat out kind of, I guess, as a precaution. He said, you know, you only have one set of eyes, so you <laughs> want to make sure they're they're all good, which is um sounds like good advice 
to me i'm i'm not not a medical professional but that sounds sounds about right yeah so stick to stick to the eye and um he's obviously pl- played in carolina and, and seems like he's good to go in so all, in think- all fairness a stick would make a lot more sense but apparently there's something wrong with my eyes because i could have sworn i read and, and ethan forgive me i don't remember if it was your article or <laughs> maybe andrew gross but i thought but i thought i read that he said that somehow he took like part of a helmet <laughs> but i i guess i made that up so i don't uh, it's again like again me and Ethan have this luxury of being able to talk to these players, and Godier sure. has to be one of just his personality. He mm. is hysterical. Mm. Ethan, he is so polite. Mm. He wants to like shake your hand. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me so much. He nice. he is he is okay. the absolute man, gentleman, gentleman. Okay. But he definitely. didn't take a hel- helmet to the. Oh, no, he got uh, right eyeball or left one of the eyeballs. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm wrong sometimes. What can I tell you? That is a little strange. <laughs> helmet, helmet to the eye. It doesn't really make sense. All right, so Ethan, the last one I'll leave you with is, look, the Islanders find themselves in the second place in the Metro right now. They're looking good, but they're still 50-some-odd games to go, give or take. A lot of season left here, and there's a lot of teams nipping at their heels, right? You look at those standings, and then, what, six, seven points separate two through, like, you know, eight in the conference or something like that, whatever it is. But when you look at those standings, you look at the teams that are behind the Islanders, who do you think the biggest threats to them, right? Because Philadelphia is still there to their credit. Didn't see that coming. Thought they would finally would have tailored off, but they're still in the mix. The Capitals, as I said earlier on the show, kind of surprised me with where they are right now, but you have them. The Canes haven't figured it out yet. Who's going to be the biggest threat to the Islanders to not only obviously challenge for that second spot, but but just the, the playoffs in general? I would start with Carolina just because they they have the track record, and, and obviously right now their, their goaltending is a pretty major problem, but if right. if you know if Freddie Anderson can get healthy, if if maybe they can add something there, then then they obviously have, you know, a, a pretty complete team and and the sort of pedigree to be an issue. The, the Flyers, I think, there's still probably a chance that they end up, you know, moving some guys. I don't think that they're going to kind of mortgage the the plan that they've been on to go and and try and make the playoffs this year. If if they can, I'm sure they'll view it as a wonderful bonus and you know that market deserves some success after the last few years but you know there's still some question as to whether you see them you know deal a a sean walker for example washington i could see them maybe running out of gas a little bit the devils i think could still be a problem kind of similar to carolina with with the goaltending issues but the, the hurricanes to me just because they've been so consistent in the past you know i i i think that they still have a very good roster and and maybe just need to kind of you know their goaltending needs to be a little bit better than worst more than worst in the league <laughs> point. Yeah. To, 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 to me that's the team that probably if if you had to pick somebody i guess other other than the islanders to finish second i would probably go with carolina ethan thanks so much for joining us really do appreciate it happy holidays and i'll see you tomorrow yeah you as well i'll see you guys thanks so appreciate much for having ethan. me thanks a lot take care all right yeah, folks that was the great ethan sears of the new york post joining us once again to talk Islanders, and he's right. The 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 worst goaltending in the league isn't going to get you very far. Hey, credit to Lou again. Um, <laughs> signing Careful, two. Man, we're saying that a lot tonight. Well, I know? saw I saw a lot people of people in comments. the base don't like saying those. I saw words. a lot of comments in the chat about it, and I guess just before we go into the next point is you know we already Ethan, got like credit to Lou. Wait, so I saw that when <laughs> like, <laughs> that's when Ethan brought up the back end, and I don't get how you don't give him credit for Bortuzzo and Riley. I mean, well, that's, this is this is like it's crazy. What, what rubs me the wrong way with the fan base, right? Like, look, if somebody's not performing the way you want, and that's either on the ice or you know in the press box, in the front office, behind the bench, whatever it is, that's fine. Let it be known. 
But when they do something that, like, it's kind of obvious that it was their decision that they probably deserve credit for, just just throw it back the other way. And I feel like you don't see that all the time, right? Like, I don't see a lot of the same fans saying, oh, Lou's got to go, the game's passed him by. And then he brings in Riley, sure, off of waivers. He brings in Bortuzzo. And look, come on, anybody anybody before the season, if you told an Islander fan that Pellick, Pollock, and Mayfield were going to go down together for a significant amount of time, how much hope would you have, Right to collect points and bank points and win games, right? Probably not a with lot. With no defensive depth on the roster to begin right. with. Right. And so Lou makes the moves that he that he kind of has to do because these guys go down, and, and the ship is still sailing. So and give the guy a little credit. Yes, credit the players for filling the roles and actually playing well because he could have gotten both these guys and they could have been terrible. Of course. But, that's, that's sports. But he went out and got a guy like Bortuzzo wasn't on waivers. He had to go out and get him. Now, Bortuzzo and the GM, there was talks that he obviously wanted a new scenery, things mm-hmm. like that. But what Bortuzzo has been able to do for the Islanders and for Bolduke, like that can't go unnoticed. How much Bortuzzo's kind of calmed Bolduke down. And really been that veteran presence. Sure, sure. And then Riley has won himself a probably a job when everyone comes back healthy. So I get the the Lou Hay crowd. It's it's been there before. It'll always be there. But sure. you look at what Horvat's doing That's this fine. year now, and where those trade pieces are now. Ratu is a bottom uh, fourth line center in. Yeah, you don't hear yeah. a lot of people complaining about the Horvat trade anymore, do you? No, <laughs> it doesn't really happen. Yeah, I just think I just think for the defense. He essentially saved the season probably with the two pickups that he made on the back end. So far. And um, yeah, but he's helped the Islanders not even just stay afloat. They are sole position second in the Metro. I get it. The overtime losses, the loser point, Chad, that's such a conversation for another day, but it's not loser points when they actually do matter. Like it'd be one thing if those loser points were held you at a disadvantage. I get it. Regulation wins are the tiebreaker. But right now you asked Ethan who the biggest threat was to the Islanders. In my eyes, the biggest threat to the Islanders is the Islanders. Look at last year. You get bad January, struggle mightily, and now you have to tooth, and and whatever the expression is, I'm so bad with those. (laughs) You you have to fight (laughs) to get to the playoffs, right? The destiny was never really in their hands. Now, should they have won that last week to make it? Sure, but when they didn't win, it was, we got to see what Pittsburgh does against Chicago to make it in. Right. Again, are the Islanders safe in second right now? No. Can any team catch them? Yes. But right now, if the Islanders continue to do what they've been doing, and get healthier. The only reason they miss the playoffs is if they mess up. Because again, they're ahead of the pack right now. It'd be one thing yeah. if they were forced in the wild card spot right now and you have to fight. Like right now, at this moment in time, all the honors have to do is keep doing what they're doing. And again, sure, you're not going to win every game. You're not going to get points every game. Truth, but, but that's also easier said than done too. I oh, mean, of course. You know, just to that point I made before about how tight the Metro yeah. is and the East is, you have a bad week. And then all of a sudden, you're on the outside but, looking in here. But it's a bad week other team's fault or is that your team having a bad week yeah sure whatever yeah. the case may be the point is is that the islanders have to stay ahead of the game 100 yeah and they have to keep winning and bagging these points because they've had what a two one and one week last week uh with the four games yep. two oh and one this week i think the week prior was two oh and one again so they're they're taking you know five out of six points here and there which is which is great i mean you keep doing that you're going to be fine but but eventually they're going to hit a rough week. Yep. And and they're going to go 1 0 oh, 2 or whatever it is, right? And then all of a sudden those teams behind them will start to catch them. But the main thing is they have to be able to do this over the course of the remaining 50 games or so and and but I think you you nailed it, man. That's that's a great way to put it is that the Islanders are probably the biggest challenge because of how just uneven their game is, right? And how it can go from one thing to another. And, you know, the power play is great, but the penalty kill is, is still awful, even though they've, they've shown signs of light here. But, but for the most part, it's, they're still just a very unbalanced team, imbalanced team. And <laughs> You would know. I don't know. <laughs> usually I do. But look, that's still something 
that, you know, we have to see if they can continue to do it over the course of the season. Because, again, even though it feels like they've played, they've played like 50 games, it's only been 30, 33 games. So a lot of things can change. A lot of things can happen. But it is very encouraging that through these big injuries, heavy injuries Massive. here, yeah. yeah, that not only have them been able to stay afloat, but they've actually been able to rise towards the top of the conference. So it's encouraging. It's been stressful, but it's been good so far. But I think we should take another break. Before we do, I want to tell you all about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join our magic Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game. And with that, I want to thank you all once again for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey.ny. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night in New York. And before we get into what's on tap, Stefan, I think we should talk about the, the offensive firepower coming out of Long Island. The New York Islanders, you got four guys right around, actually right around a point-per-game clip, three of them at a point-per-game clip, but I know you got some numbers you got, we want to rattle off here about the uh, the offensive firepower of the New York Yeah, Islanders. when's the last time you said offensive firepower and it was it the Islanders? It felt good, Stefan. It was probably before it I was felt, born, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Matthew Barzal, 35 points in 32 games, 10 goals, 25 assists. Noah Dobson, 34 points in 33 games, 5 goals, 29 assists. He's been averaging 25-45 minutes per game, most on the Islanders. And since, that's second in the NHL behind Drew Doughty of the you Kings. Since Adam Pellick went down, 27-19. And that is the most. That's 15 games. That's including the game Pellick got hurt in. That leads the NHL. So, 15 straight games of 25 no, plus no, minutes. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm saying Oh, you're that. saying that. I got yeah. that from Eric Hornick's NYI Skinny. Uh, that's the, the, the best cheat sheet uh, in the hockey world. Yep. Is uh, Well, at least the Islander world is. You go to the, the NYI Skinny, and uh, you can pull up big stats like that. But yeah, 15 straight games, 25 plus minutes. Sorry to steal your thunder there. Stephen. No, he's eating minutes. Yes. Eating minutes. Yes. And then Bo Horvath, 33 points in 33 games, 14 goals, 19 assists. And then Brock Nelson, who's not at the point per game pace, but... 
30 points, team leading 16 goals, 14 assists, and 33 games played. Again, this is the first time since I can remember the Honors have had a true top six. Yeah, it's 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 nice it's nice to be able to say something like that because it's true. It's it's been a very long time. Usually it's makeshift. Usually there's there's always one position up there in the top six that you're looking to fill up and you know bring somebody in. I said it before, like you're talking about you know who can they bring in talking. before the season? <laughs> yes, to to enhance the the scoring. But I mean, it's been spread around. And, and if you even go lower down the sheet, there, Kyle Palmieri's putting numbers up. I mean, another year here where he's healthy. Anders Lee's heating up. Anders Anders or Lee. Or yes, I want to talk about him later but but yeah you're getting some some nice balanced scoring from from the guys who are supposed to be scoring and and really it's just it's just keeping the pucks out of the net to you know that's that's what's keeping them from being even more successful than they've been and again you know hockey for the fans that don't know with last change things like that is having a true top six makes life so much harder for the opposing coaches again last year when barzal went down the top line wasn't great they weren't producing, so it was easy. Right. Our best defense pairing is going up against the Nelson line every night. This year, okay, our top pairing and our middle pairing are going up against the top two Islander lines. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Godier, Pajot, Holmstrom is still a threat. Fashing on that fourth line with Zizekas is a threat. So now that exposes the Islanders' bottom six to being more of offensive threats. And we saw earlier in this year where the fourth line was getting some timely goals. Mm-hmm. Pajot never really heated up in terms of point production, but Holmstrom was scoring some goals. Godi yeah. had a couple of games where he's scoring yeah. goals. Yeah. So it's like it opened up this whole thing for the offense just because the top six finally had the pieces to play a top six. And I know I know, Engvall hasn't played probably great the last handful of games, but mm-hmm. Nelson's still producing. And then you look at the top line, even games maybe where that five-on-five, five, that top line's not producing, but the power play as a whole with guys like Nelson, Horvath, and Barzal are making things count. Dobson and again, so... This team's been unlocked because they finally have a top six that's performing like legitimate top six. I think I think the Nelson line has played the most amount of minutes in the NHL, and I think they're top five in terms of goals for in the league. And again, that is a number two line. Right. No, it's 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 weird to wake up in the morning and read stats like that because you haven't for for a long time if you've been following the New York Islanders. So it's it's fun to see, and you know they're getting a lot of help from the back end too. Noah Dobson obviously is is the first name you name. I mean, he's just been outstanding, but. I got to say the addition of Mike Riley has been has been unbelievable. I mean, he's played 13 games with the Islanders since he came in. He has seven points. You know, you basically put that on an 82-game pace, and you're talking over over 42 points this season. Is he going to stay at that pace? That remains to be seen. But the fact that he was able to come in and in such a short time acclimate himself to this team and not only help keep pucks, in theory, out of their own net, but help put the pucks in the opposing that is has been great to see. And and I know you've kind of referred to him as a Nick Letty light here, and it's true. I mean, he's a guy who's been able to actually skate out of the zone with puck possession, which has helped them out too because they were a little more reliant on on chipping pucks out, you know, passing the puck out of the zone. Now their exits have been a little more a little more balanced with Riley being able to skate him out and then look look for an option going ahead. So that's been a big help. Which makes it more confusing is how is this guy playing in the AHL? That kind of sounds like it should be illegal. Like a guy like this level of skill clearly has a lot more skill than no offense to anyone in the AHL, but like an AHL vet that's going to be in the AHL for a while. Mike Riley is clearly a level higher than that. I mean, every now and then you get these yeah. teams with with a Boston, lot of depth. Boston, he was on waivers like 18 times. Well, there you go. I mean, a team like Boston and more recently Florida where, I mean, they're one of the top teams in the league and you just have depth. And I mean, I couldn't name their one through six, but I know that they well, have Well, the Florida's back end wasn't great. So again, it's either did Mike... But he couldn't crack it. Yeah, you know? which, but that's the puzzling part. And, and I'm not going to compare this as a one-for-one one at all. But like, I guess a situation like this on, on much lighter terms is... 
I, one of the the bigger you know waiver pickups, and I'm skipping a couple of guys now that I'm, I'm rattling my brain. But like Chris Osgood was a waiver wire guy. I mean that was unheard of. He was a starting goalie because they and then they just happen to make Chris Osgood available because Dominic Hasha came in again. This is apples to oranges in terms of Mike Riley versus Chris Osgood. Who knows what if Riley went, scores the game winning goal in the cup? Fun- you yep, never man. know. You never. But but <laughs> but to say that he hasn't just been a fill-in, he hasn't just been a body to put out on the ice while they patiently wait and cross their fingers for you know Mayfield, Pelican, Pollock to come back. He's a guy who's not only come in but he's made a very significant difference and that doesn't always happen on the waiver wire is basically the point I'm trying to make. He, it's so cliche but he's taken a job and run with it. Taking yeah. the minutes and ran with it. Yeah. Again we go back to Wallstrom it's like completely different situation. Riley seems to be making the most of every minute. Yeah, He's out there and that's why again when all these guys come back healthy it's going to be the question we get asked probably a lot in the chat mm. who comes out who doesn't it's like right. Riley's done everything like Fashing did like if the honors want to win and continue to have success Mike Riley's showing that he's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, unless you got anything else to add as far as the roster goes, I think it's time to get into what's on tap. Let's do it. And now, it's time for What's on Tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right. We are going to look ahead to the Islanders' upcoming schedule. And... It consists of more metropolitan foes, the Pittsburgh Penguins twice, sandwiched in between the Washington Capitals once again, who the Islanders are, are very familiar with given the uh, the last week. But three big games here, a lot of points on the line, and, and again, the standings can change a lot depending on how these games go. So these are big games before the calendar even turns to 2024, but they start Wednesday, tomorrow night, versus the Pittsburgh Penguins at UBS Arena. They got a record of 15-13-4 right now. Interesting storylines with them. Kyle Dubas comes in. There's the whole dynamic with him and Mike Sullivan, and they bring in Eric Carlson. And it hasn't exactly worked out for them. They're on the outside looking in here on the playoffs. The power play has been... It's been a little better as of late, but it's Mm. still downright terrible. Which should help the Islanders' penalty kill. You would hope. (laughs) We'll find out. But, But here's a team who... You know, the the hockey media kind of fell in love with after Dubas came in and after they picked up Carlson. They thought that the Penguins are going to find themselves working their way back up the standings again. It hasn't worked. Sorry, Toronto media. <laughs> but, but you know, that's just that's how it's been. And this is a team who still has a lot of weapons. Crosby's still having a great year despite, you know, how poorly the Penguins have been this year. So always a threat. And Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, as, as noted before the show here, uh, Sidney Crosby likes to put up a lot of points against the Islanders, so that's always a threat. But, but look, I mean, these are three big games that Islanders can't you know, keep their foot off of the pedal here. These are six big points. Yeah, again, you said the Penguins off to a tough start. Yeah, they're on the outside looking in, but I think Sidney Crosby's off to his best start of his career. He's playing sick. Yeah, yeah, 19 goals, 16 assists, 35 points in 32 games played. And I did ask you before the show, Sean, how many points do you think that he had in 82 career games versus the Islanders? I forgot I, what you said. It I was, said like 107 Yeah, you were wrong. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. I'm recapping. <laughs> okay. With a little attitude. I'm pulling me up a lot here. Tonight. Yeah, 132 yeah. points in 82 games, 41 goals, 91 assists. I mean, I think Ovechkin's at a point per game versus the Islanders over mm-hmm. his career, but... 132 points in 82 games. That is a uh, lot. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you look at those late 20, 2000, did abuse the bad teams. teams. Like, yeah, he he destroyed them. Like, he was running up the score. And Jake Gensel, who's probably going to be the number one trade target for every team outside mm-hmm. of the Penguins, is off to a fantastic start. 35 points in 32 games, 14 goals, 21 assists. He is a pending unrestricted free agent. He is turning 30. Uh, he's going to command a lot. I would think... Send would, him out west. I think it would be a... 
Send First, a top prospect, and then some, because, again, the Penguins have all the leverage there. They're not going to let him walk for nothing. I don't know if he gets traded at the deadline. They might say, listen, if we're going to turn mm. things around, Gensel's going to be a huge part of that, but we are months away from the deadline. Correct. But, again, regardless of how bad the Penguins have been, they still have guys, those two, Malkin, that know how to put the puck in the back of the net, and, again, getting to the goaltending. And I think Jari's been better this year. 9-13 save percentage, 2.61 goals against average. has shown that he does have a glove at times. So the Islanders <laughs> have to... Again, do what they did against the Hurricanes. Act they should be acting like this every goalie is Kachekov. Sure. Make them earn That'd be great. Make them earn the save. If they make the first couple of saves on, on the basic shots that they're supposed to stop, all right, maybe pick and choose your spots, get them moving around. But go like Jari, who's had his moments against the Islanders that have not been great. Get in his head early. Throw pucks. Make the make him scramble in his crease. I think again, the Islanders don't do that enough, especially to goalies that they have a pass with that are shaky. I think you have to when you have a chance to fire the puck hard and low at Jari, make him control his rebounds, see where he's at from the opening puck drop, and well, then look, go to work. The Islanders have shown that they've been good out of the gate yeah. this season. They, they've come out to good starts, so do the same thing here against Jari. And, if it's Jari. And, <laughs> right, and, and if you do throw up a couple goals on him, you know, do your best to prevent the tying goals coming later. That's, that's And by the way, issue. just because the power play for the Penguins has been bad, mm. the Islanders do not want to take penalties to allow no because you still have to think of the names that are on the yeah, that power still play regardless yep. regardless so yeah Pittsburgh not having a great season but you can't take them lightly because they still have a lot of weapons there so they play them twice they play them tomorrow and they play them Sunday in Pittsburgh that's a 6 p.m. start but wedged in between Eve. yes a New Year's Eve tilt yes. that's right ringing in the new year in Pittsburgh where, where else would you want to <laughs> be on New Year's Eve than Pittsburgh but wedged in between Friday the Caps come back to town. They're 17-9-5. Again, familiar territory here as they just played them. Not a team to be taken lightly, as we've learned. And even though Ovechkin isn't scoring, team that's still getting it done. Dylan Strom, the brother of former Islander, Ryan Strom. There you have it. Is, uh, yeah. He's been fantastic for them this year. I think it's so weird. We talked about it on the show last week, but the Caps, without Ovechkin scoring the way he used to score, without Backstrom, without Kuznetsov doing anything, Mantha's scoring. We spoke to Sammy Silber about it. Mantha's scoring. Strom's scoring. Their defensive system under Carberry has been fantastic. Again, Kemper to me, yes, he's won a Stanley Cup, and you can't knock that. But he's in league. He's an at maybe a tad above average goaltender in the NHL. Mm. He's not a superstar in net. And again, that goal that he allowed to fashion the other day—that's a goal that just cannot go in the back of the net. So I think for the Islanders, again, it's the same thing against any goalie they faced, especially just facing Kemper. It's you know that you could score a couple of those goals, probably a game. Just got to find a way to get traffic in front. I don't think they'd got enough traffic against the Caps last time. Again, I thought Kochekov, they did a good job at crashing the crease and doing mm. all those things. So at the end of the day, all these goalies are so talented. If you don't take their eyes away, you're giving them such a leg up. And I think that's the biggest thing in hockey. We see so many deflections because so many more. there's so much more of an emphasis on getting bodies in front. And I think the Islanders could do that early. They're going to get the results they want. Yes, we shall see. But once again, three tough games here on tap. Two against the Pens, one against the Caps, and... Uh... The Metro standings could look a lot different depending on how those games it's go. It's going to change every week. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. So there you go. That was what's on tap. And before we go into our next segment, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack. Dot com And with that now, please take us in to the Hero of the Week. That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is the Mr. Ledecky featuring turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, and mustard on fresh rye bread. Stop on in to the BLD Huntington location for half off the Mr. Ledecky 
all week. So with that, Mr. Stefan Rosner, who is your hero of the week? My hero is goaltender Ilyas Hirokinani. And he biased it? Your goal, yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right. Anyway, suck it up. Um, <laughs> Ilyas Hirokin had a, a fantastic week. Look at the Oilers game. He stops 30 of 31, allows the first shot and goal against Dreisaitl to go in, and then shuts the door. He stopped 15 shots in the third period. The penalty kill was 4 for 4. He made seven saves. And then against Carolina, which again, took a lot of shots late in that game. He stops 36 of 40, 13 of 15 in the third period. He allowed two power play goals. So again, that's not always on him. And again, late in that game, he got peppered. Backdoor tappings. Even the goal that they scored to open the game, which was a backdoor feed that he made a ridiculous save on, the rebound goes in. I thought Sorokin made those ridiculously timely saves at such big moments for this team. Because again, if he allows one of those goals in the third period against Edmonton, that's a team that that's a talented offensive team that might just get momentum and find a way to tie that game up. So I thought, again, two games against two tough opponents that he just shut the door and made the most of it and helped get the Islanders the win. Yeah, I think he had a good week. And there's no doubt that over the course of the season, he has made some game-saving highlight reel saves. But there is a question I do want to ask you. His numbers are not Vezina caliber right now. No. He's not having the season that everybody was expecting, right? He was a money favorite to be not only a Vezina finalist, but the winner this year, right? And he's got a goals against average above three. He's got a 914 save, which is good, but it's not Vezina caliber. I mean, Semyon Valaramov has a better save percentage. I think it's like 917, whatever. He's it been is. good. Yeah. But that being said, obviously. Ilya's given up more goals this season, right? I mean, it's it's actually wild to see his, his goals against above three. That's like a 1980s goals against average, you know? But uh, my question is, is it more Ilya Sorokin or is it more the team in front of him? Yeah, it's so cliche. I think it's both. Obviously, the backdoor tap-ins that the honors are allowed a lot this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing you can do. I mean, sure, you can, you can make the save, but uh, it's very hard, especially when they're wide open. But I, what I will say is I think, again, Sorokin kind of went back a little bit in terms of that mindset when he first came over here was, I need to make the really good saves. I got a game plan for those second and third opportunities, mm-hmm. but he's forgetting about making the first save. Like a mm-hmm. wide receiver that drops the ball before thinking about okay. making the play up the field, okay. drops because you saw some goals that he's allowed where it's like, he just made a ridiculous save. How does he let that in? And I think, mm-hmm. again, with seeing how bad the defense has been in front of him, He's got a game plan to make those second or third saves, and maybe he's leaving the post too early, or he's not controlling his rebounds. So I think, I think a lot of it is mental, because we know he has the talent. You don't just lose that talent. But I think last year, the defense this year has been so much, the more holes in the defense this year than it was last year, and mm-hmm. I think that's definitely played a part in the high numbers. But I also think Sorokin maybe has been trying to do too much to counteract that, and it's making things worse. So I think the last couple of games, it's been, you know what? Make the first save. Just make the first save, and if you can make those second and third saves, Great, but at some point, I mean, we saw against Carolina at times where the Islanders allowed that playback door, but Romanov is in the right spot to break up the pass. Dobson was in the right spot. So I think Islanders' defense is slowly but surely helping him out a little more, okay. which is only going to give him more confidence to be the guy he was last year. Again, stats are going to change throughout the year, but sure, he got off to a rough start. Maybe his stats are not going to be Vesna-worthy, but the Islanders don't need him to win a Vesna. The Islanders need him to get That's him to true. the playoffs. And I think Stanley Cup would be better. And I think Sorokin, there's no question, he could be the goal that we saw last year for the whole entire second half and really forget about this first half. But I do think it matters how well the defense plays in front of him because it's going to wear it's gonna wear on him if every night he has to be perfect. That mindset of having to be perfect mm-hmm. in third periods, mm-hmm. it definitely weighs on you. But I think sure. right now Sorokin is doing a great job of handling the mental toll that's been given in front of him with the lack of defense and just mentally in his head going, I'm, I'm good enough to be this guy that can save the team and, and carry this team to victory every night. And I thought the last two starts he's had, mm-hmm. he's done what he had to do to get the wins and then, then some. So if you were going to grade his season so far, what would you give him? I'd give him a B plus. B+. I think, okay. again, 
even when they were losing and he wasn't playing at his best, I think mm-hmm. it's so weird because at his best, it's still probably better than league average. His at his best, it's been put so high because what he what he's done True. that I think one I don't think it was ever possible for him to do what he did again last year. Maybe similar stat wise, but mm-hmm. just every night having to do what he did. It's not something that you can keep up. Which again, he needs more support. But I think B plus is because he's finally starting to turn a page and make those timely saves at timely moments. And again, you want to leave room for improvement, so he can get that to an A minus. Again, he doesn't need to be an A plus goalie with this defense and how it should play. You just shouldn't need your goaltender to be perfect every night. So if he could get to an A minus A by the end of the season and go into the playoffs on a good note rather than last year where it's it was a tough tough selling going to playoffs, getting exhausted, and then we saw what happened in the playoffs. I think the Islanders will be in good shape, but I think Sorokin is much better than the numbers for sure. Okay, very good. So Ilya Sorokin, Stefan Rosner's Hero of the Week nominee. I'll give you mine now. That is none other than the captain, Anders Lee. 3-2-5 and five on the week. Power play goal against Edmonton. Tying goal against the Caps. And, of course, the game-winning goal. One goal, two assists against the Carolina Hurricanes. This is a guy who's come into question a lot the first 15 to 20 games of this season. I think both of us have been guilty of that. A slow start. We look back at last season. You know how he was slowing down towards the end. He didn't have the greatest uh, series against the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's almost like he's been listening to all of us because he's picked up his game. He's got 10 goals now, I believe, on the season. He's been great. He obviously had a huge week this week. And look, we'll, we'll see if, it, if it's maintained over the rest of this 82-game season. But uh, you got you to gotta like the way this guy's been playing on that top line with Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat, because I think a lot of us were guilty of saying that that spot was not made for him. No, and he's, again, another guy that got another opportunity on the top line, starting mm-hmm. there, going down, or on the third line, going up to the top, not working out, going back down. Now he's back up, and again, I didn't don't want to give him all the credit for why Barzal and Horvath have been great, sure, but sure. he's a veteran that knows how to get do what he has to do and get out of the way. Right. I think, again, you saw with Holmstrom is, one, Holmstrom wasn't finishing his chances, but he's a younger player, not knowing where to go. with. It's very hard to play with Barzal. I think we've seen that. It's very hard. He could go anywhere, and you really hard to gauge, but for Lee, it's, Win my board battles, get the puck to either Horvat or Barzal, and let them do what they have to do. And they've done it. And again, going back to that goal against the Caps, the Deacon and dangling yeah. in front of goal, yeah. I mean... Nice little backhand. Yeah. Was the last time you saw Anders Lee D-get or goalie? It's been, it's been a minute. Yeah, so I think yeah. for him, again, we talked about the mental game, and it was a really slow start. Now he's got goals in three straight, scored his 250th career goal. I mean, he's feeling good about his game and power play. He scored in the power play yeah. against Edmonton, Edmonton. right? Yep. And it was funny. It's like, why is Anders Lee on the top power play unit? What happened there? Nelson had a skate issue. So Brock had to hop right. off. So after the game, Lee goes, right. he gets an assist for that because he gave him the opportunity. <laughs> but again, making the most of your opportunities. Early in the season, he's too slow in front of goal. He's not finishing his chances. Right. That's him being in the right spot at the right time, watching where the puck goes. It was loose behind Skinner. So I think for Lee, it's been, it's been great to see the turnaround because there were questions. We spoke about it. I mean, if he keeps up that, struggling play are they gonna have to buy him out like all these talks yeah it all came up it did and And Anders Lee has told everybody to zip the lips for a little bit again he's not gonna be a 35 40 goal scorer he was a couple years ago I think it's not gonna happen but the Islanders don't need him to again right when guys like Holmstrom are are gonna pace for 25 goals and Horvat's gonna score more than he has and Barzal's probably gonna set a new career high maybe in goals and things like that it's and Nelson might finally score 40 right? right right Lee doesn't have to be the 40 goal scorer he just has to be good enough on that top line and let the players that are on his line do what they have to do, and he's been perfect right now. Yeah, as long as he's helping that engine run, that's all that matters. It's like Engvall. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily matter what the numbers are, as long as the whole of the machine are working as they need to. Say the same thing with Godia on the third line, same thing, fashing on the fourth line. Just do your role to help your line mates, and Lee's done a perfect job of that so far.
There you have it. So Ilya Sorokin, Anders Lee, your heroes of the week. And before we get into questions, Bruin, it's time to go back to the snake den with Jake the Snake Radonis. Jake, how are we doing over there on the couch, bud? I'm doing great, you know. Did yeah. you have a nice Christmas? I had a great Christmas. I hope all our fans had a great Christmas Aww. as well. Was, was Santa good to you? Santa was phenomenal to me. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So what do you got for us tonight, Jake? Yeah, so going back to Eric Hornick of the uh, NYI Skinny, um, this is actually the first time since the 1986-87 season that the Islanders have four players with 30-plus points through their first 33 games. 86-87. You were alive, right? <laughs> I was. I was barely alive, but yes, I was alive. But but it is wild to think that Sorry. it goes back that far. That's a long time. That's that's a lot of years, Stefan. That's that's many years. So so like when you before when you were kind of joking around about like yeah when was the last time that I was, yeah it's been a while <laughs> since the 1980s since the legends of the team were, were on that team. You know what I mean? So it's it's wild to think and and you know everybody jokes about that Dougie Wait year when you know Tavares and, and Barzell were, were putting up points, but no, it didn't even happen in that year. It's been that long, which is just crazy because it's true. Uh, you said it earlier. Like this team is just been starved for a balanced top six for for scoring coming out of, out of that you know those positions there and for them to do it and not be a complete irresponsible shite show on the back end like the Dougie Wade team was this is a team who's putting up those points and they're also winning games Sounds like you're getting a little choked up no no <laughs> just just a little phlegm just a little phlegm no but, it's, uh, it's crazy it, it's yeah. crazy but obviously this is something where Lou had a vision when he re-signed yeah. Engvall when he saw what Horvat and Barzal could do not giving Dobson the long-term deal a couple of summers ago when he said we need to see more from him. Mm. I mean, again, you got to go back to what Lou's done, and he's kind of played what he's his his role to a T. You know, let's say you give Dobson the long-term contract immediately. Is that going to stop Dobson from pushing himself? No, but hey, Dobson, you have to go prove yourself in all fat. Not just it, again, and let him know that he had more to more to do, more we, to prove. Right? We talk about the offense, and you look at all those guys on that list, and Barzal's been better defensively. Bo Horvat's been defensively great. Noah Dobson, the growth on his defensive game, I don't think anyone saw this coming. I think everyone would have said, you know what? If he's offensively at pace with the Norris guys, fantastic. And if his defense is a little below average, like it is what it is. Right, right, right. You'll take it. Right. His defense has been above that. He's becoming a legitimate number one defenseman. And right. again, this is something that Lou saw that he could do and said pretty much, this is on you now. Go prove to me that you deserve an eight by Whatever. He's going to get, it's going to start with an eight at this point. And again, the Romanov deal and what those two can do as a pairing. I mean, again, not saying every move Lou's made has been great. Right. I'm just saying that right now with this team going well, you got to look at the decisions Lou made, not just this past summer, but mm. summers ago when he pretty much put the onus on certain players and now they're, it's paying dividends. It's okay to give credit where it's due when it's actually due. And right now it looks like it is. So, Jake, thanks for uh, hanging out Good with stat. us in the Snakes Den. Great stuff there. Nice little stat there. Absolutely. And now. We can go into questions brewing. Ed, Jay, how's the holidays going, boys? It's going great. Yeah? Yeah. I got to thank you for the new gear. <laughs> new gear tonight. Now, let me get the microphone out of the new, way. New gear. Yes, indeed. Yes, that looks very nice on you. Yeah. Very nice hoodie there. Got my size, everything. Not it's like bad. you've bought me shirts before. Uh, you know what? Maybe I have. Maybe I, you, now, you have. The more and more we do this, it just sounds like ours. Like, all right, guys, you got to thank me on the show. For, for all the gifts. <laughs> thank you. All right. So let's get into questions brewing before I get more uncomfortable. Sure. It's time for questions brewing. So go ahead. Ask, ask us, us a question. question. <laughs> Excuse me, Em. You all right, buddy? Excuse you? Yeah, the way you just said that gave me a little chill. Oh. <laughs> all right, Ed, what do you got oh. for us? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a quiet night tonight. It's oh, a quiet okay. Tuesday. We don't have okay. many questions, but, you know, that we're kind of a pr little pressed for time anyway. We're 
10 minutes over already. Ed, just, but, just uh, ask the question. Yeah, questions. you know, we're going <laughs> to... You don't got to think out loud here. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start off with Mr. Tom Boyle. Okay, T. Boyle, what do you got? <laughs> when the freeze is lifted this week, do you see the teams trading immediately, especially the teams that uh, desperately need goaltending? No. I think every a lot of teams are still in cap hell. Mm. And it is, again, sure, can you see trades like we saw the Horvat deal happen like a month before the deadline or two mm. months before the deadline? Sure, but I just think, again, with the freeze coming over, I, I just think it's going to be about making the the moves like players being placed on waivers. I don't think we'll see any trades. I just I don't see a point right now. I don't think, like, for example, if Boyle's alluding to Pellick still be on LTIR, will the Islanders mm. make a trade now after the... I don't think so. I just think, again, teams are still trying to deal with this cap situation and... Rather than trade people, they'll probably wait for the waiver moves and things like that. Yeah, it'll probably get a little closer to the deadline before we see anything, but uh, you never know. Yeah. And Zab09, yes. Does Zach coming back really help this team? Shouldn't we be getting younger? Oh, God. The, th- the, the age and the Parise conversation, again, That's I get it question. when a player plays to their age. Like Zdeno Chara. Playing to his age, clearly was playing like a 50-year-old, right? Anytime Zach was in the lineup... <laughs> If you had to tell me, hey, without knowing anything about Zach, guess how old this guy is. You're mm. not even saying 30. So I think, again, I don't, I get the point. I just think it's it's just wrong to bring age into it when the player doesn't ever play to his age. Now, do I think Parise is a need? No, but not for that reason. I don't think it's because they need to get younger. I think it's what other guys have done, like we talked about on the show, like what Holmstrom's been able to do and things like that, where Parise is a really bad want. I just don't think he's a need. But I think the whole age thing, if he comes into the lineup and is still skating as fast as he did last year and still finding ways to score goals. The age, really, to me, is just a number. Well, not only that, but it's not like they're going to sign him to a three-year deal here. He's got one-year league minimum. Right, like he comes in for the remainder of the season, and you cross your fingers that he's going to play at the level that he did last season. And if he doesn't, the good news is they've shown that they have the depth right now where they say, Zach, thanks, it's not really working out. You're happy to hang out with us and hang out in the press box or whatever it is, but right now we got guys that are playing a little better than you are, and that, that absolutely could happen. Like, look, he's, he hasn't been playing here for the first 33 games. Yes, he's skating on his own. Yes, he's, he's, he's training, and he's trying to get back into game shape. The truth is, and especially the fact of his age, we don't know what kind of Zach Parisi we're getting until he shows up. So, yeah, sign the league minimum deal, let him come in, and if he earns himself a spot in the roster, and I don't think he will right away. I don't, I don't know if they're going to pluck somebody out right away, assuming they keep playing the way they are now. So he might even have to wait for an injury before that even happens. But, I mean, I think it's harmless if you bring him in league minimum. It's just going to be for the rest of the year. So I don't, I don't think the age thing is going to be a problem, especially because they're not going to force him into the lineup if he, if he hasn't earned it, because it's not like they're going to look at themselves and be like, oh, man, he's got to play. He's, you know, it's Zach Parisi. You know what I mean? Like, he'll understand if he hasn't, you know, kind of worked his way into the lineup because of the way the team's performing. And I also don't think Parisi would come back. He felt like he was skating like a 39-year-old. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point, too. And, and I think he would, he's also wise enough exactly. to know that, you know, hey, I can come back to this team and I may not step on the ice right away. And I'm sure that if, I don't even think the conversation would need to be had, but if Zach's the type of guy who's going to be like, look, Lou, I'm only coming back if I'm in the lineup every night. If that, you know, if they have to have that conversation, that's when Lou might say, well, Zach, I mean, you know, I can't give you that promise. And then he may, maybe he doesn't come back at all. But him being the team guy that everybody makes him out to be, yeah. I'm sure he's just happy to come back. If he gets in and he's able to contribute to the team, great. I mean, here's a guy who never won a Stanley Cup. He has the relationship with Lou. That's kind of why this whole dynamic is there in the first place. Islanders are nothing. And if he can come back and help this team out, great. If he can't, it is what it is. 
Back to Mr. Tom Boyle. Do you see Pelik or Mayfield returning tomorrow night? And if if we so, had, if who we sits? Had, if we had to guess, I think it would be Mayfield. I think he just damaged his finger. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Pelik had a major wrist injury. We don't know if he had surgery or not, but Grant Hutton is back in the minors. We get to him in a, in a second. Uh, back in the minors, so they'd have to call him up again if they wanted to, but did they send him down? Maybe that Mayfield's ready to go. So I think if it is Mayfield, I do think we see Aho come out. I just think with the way that Bortuzzo has played with Bolduc, I just I just like the way he's helped calm Bolduc down. And I think for Mayfield, he's signed a seven-year deal. He's playing. <laughs> if he's healthy, he's playing. Right. Um, so I think him and Riley, again, I think Aho became expendable because of, I think Riley's just been a better Aho. So I think having yeah. Aho as your seventh defenseman mm-hmm. for now is really good for this team. That's a deep. That's the deepest defense group we've probably seen since their back-to-back trips to the fi- uh, semifinals. Maybe even deeper now. Again, when everyone else comes back, now you got to make tough decisions. But I think, I think right now Mayfield comes back in, and it would be him and Riley as a pairing. Or if they wanted to, which I don't think they'd want to, they could put Mayfield with Bolduc, who he's played with this year. I just think Bortuzzo and Bolduc have been a stabilizing force, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that at all. I, th- I think without even thinking about it, the first guy who who comes out of the six is Bolduc. I mean, that's just without question. No matter who comes back. Really? Bolduc is the first guy that comes out. Yeah, I think so. That's that's my personal No, that's opinion. fair. I, you know, I was kind of tweeting it during the games and stuff like that. Like, I just don't think Bolduc is there yet. And I say that as far as his, his mental game goes because he has the tools. He has the talent. We know that that's why he's gotten as far as he has. But he hasn't figured it out mentally yet. And he just doesn't look... He's just making plays, like, just small plays that should be no-brainers, should be, like, not even thinking about it. You can tell he's thinking about it. He's overthinking, and he's making simple mistakes. And has it cost him big time yet? No, not really, but it could. And I feel like he's a guy who, once once they start to get healthy and nobody else goes down, Bolduc's got to be the first guy out of the lineup. I keep Ajo in there for sure. And to your point, Ajo plays both sides. He could just go back into Bolduc's spot and call it a day. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Next up from Isle72, can Lou pull off a trade for Kuzmenko? Can he? Yeah. Will he? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think Vancouver, I know there was some whispers that it was an, a team in the East. Um, from who I spoke to, it's the Montreal Canadiens mm. were the ones talking. I don't think the Islanders have reached out. I mean, they probably reached out, but I mean, it's, again, it's a young talent. I mean, maybe he's not as young anymore, 26, which mm-hmm. is not young in this league. I just one. I don't know why the Canucks are giving up on him anyway. Uh, I just don't think again. If the honors have to compete with prospects, they're just not going to win. It depends what Vancouver wants, but right now Vancouver has been right playing there. so well mm-hmm. that I could see them saying, "All right, we'll give you Kuzmenko, give us Pajot and a top pick because we need center depth going into the playoffs, and we'd like that player." So again, really ultimately depends on what Vancouver wants. If they want veteran NHL ready guys to help in the playoffs, then the Islanders become a fit. But if they want the prospects to keep this pool alive here and keep Canucks maybe more not a one or two year team to like a four or five year team they're going to want prospects and the Islanders again just cannot compete with other teams another question from Enzeb I know we were talking about how good Riley and Bertuzzo were earlier but has have they solidified their spots when everyone is healthy I think Riley's made an extremely strong case I think Bertuzzo is probably the guy who could end up on the outside. I mean, look, you got you got Dobson and Romanov. You got Pelik Pollock when he, he's healthy, right? Then you look at the bottom pair. That's the big question. Mayfield's going to be back on the right side. That's Bartuzzo's side, right? So I think they probably carry eight defensemen if 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 they can. I mean, look, because you have to look at the forwards too. But I think in a perfect world they would carry eight. Aho would be you know the seventh guy. You know, because Riley you would have with Mayfield, and then Aho would be the seventh, and Bartuzzo would be the eighth. So you have a guy who can who can fill in both so sides. So Bolduc's going on waivers. That, or, or, or in a deal. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. Know? Are they showcasing Bolduc right now? I think that's a fair I thing think to it throw is. out there. But look, let's, we'll, we'll keep talking in this hypothetical as if all 
30 defensemen. Yeah, they're healthy. not going to be. Yeah. They're probably not. So, and as we've seen, not just Lou, but NHL general managers know how to play the RR game and know how to, you know, weave guys in and out of a lineup so that they don't have to push a guy through waivers. And that's probably something we'll see as well. But push come to shove, all guys are healthy. Then I think Aho and Bortuzzo are your extras, and I think Riley's are in that spot on the left side with Mayfield. Bortuzzo probably comes out, though. Before we get to the last point, again, going back to Hudden real quick, just wanted to mention that is he was sent down before the... You could send players down on the during the freeze and call them back up. That's okay. So, but the question is, is Hudden, does he go down because someone's ready, or does he go down to accrue cap space? Well, we all know with Pelic being on LTIR, Islanders are in current cap space. So I did some digging on Cap Friendly, also asked some people... And the thing, reason Hudden's down is because if he gets to 30 days in the NHL roster or 10 games, he is no longer waiver exempt. I think he's around 25 games right now. 25 days, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So the reason that he was sent down during this little break here is because they're not playing. Why would you keep him up on the roster if it's going to count towards days? So I think the honors are actually nervous that if they have to waive Hudden, he'll get claimed. I think they see a lot right. of value, even though he's not playing. Right. They don't want to lose him. So I think, again, Hudden may, maybe means Mayfield's back with Hudden being down, but at the end of the day... They're saving Hudden's days. And when you make that point, that's the one thing I could see why Bortuzzo could end up being a guy being waived yep. because of his age. And if they do still see something in Hutton, obviously he's a little younger. Maybe he's a guy they would prefer to you know hold on to just for the longevity end of it as opposed to Bortuzzo being an older guy that is probably just here as a fill-in for this season. I don't think they, they yeah. envision Bortuzzo being a, a long-term Islander here. And Hutton's yeah. a right-sided defense in which every team could need. He's mm. six foot five, six foot four, six foot five. He has some experience. So I think he would get claimed. There you go. NZ09 wants, wants to know, he says, is Stefan planning on getting Sean a present now that the two of them are on that level? And what would it be? Oh, no. You also, CGS wants to know, where's your Santa hat tonight, Stefan? So it's all um, important questions. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the most cliche responses. Yeah, I'm going to have to get Sean a gift now. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> putting him on the spot. Um, Please yeah, don't. Please uh, I'll get him something small. Maybe next year. Um, and in terms yeah. of the Santa hat, is Sean didn't bring it for me, so I'm going to throw him under the bus here. You've been doing a lot of that tonight. Throwing it under the bus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm like a little moody. I don't know. I mean, I'm in such a giving mood, and then this is how you repay me. It's unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. Yeah, I have no comment for why I've been a D-bag tonight. I'm sorry. I didn't wow. say that. You did. Your <laughs> yeah. word's not mine. Well, on that wonderful note, I think we can wrap the show. <laughs> All right, folks, want to send a big thanks to Ethan Sears of the New York Post for joining us, giving us a great spot as always. And, of course, a big thanks to our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu or order ahead at bluelinedeli.com. Also, big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And also a big thanks to Razor and Kniff. Attorneys at law. Not everybody likes going to court, but if you have to, call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And a big thanks to Floored Media here in Rockville Center with the always merry, always joyous (laughs) Jason Belsky. Let me tell you, the holiday spirit was in him today, and we're just so glad (laughs) that he was here with us tonight. So, Jay, thanks for hosting us here at the wonderful Floored Media So with that, folks, remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, spread the word, tell everybody that you like listening and or watching Hockey Night New York on a weekly basis to learn 
or find out more about your beloved New York Islanders. Stefan Rosner, where can everybody find you? Are you okay? Don't follow me. Just follow Sean. <laughs> where, can, where can you find Stefan Rosner on the, um, on the internet? Yeah, at <laughs> Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, the Hockey News Islander side, and NHL.com. You can follow me at Shawnee Hockey on Twitter. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on all your favorite social media platforms. You can also check us out at HockeyNightNY.com. So keeping the holiday spirit here alive for Jake the Snake Madonna over in the Snake Den, for Jason Belsky, for... Edzo Burns and for Mr. Stefan Rosner, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. We're taking next week off for the New Year, so sorry we won't be with you. So we hope you enjoy your New Year's celebration, but we will be back after that. So, folks, happy holidays, happy New Year. We will see you next time.